0: Well I think heavy metal is is the true rock and roll of the 80s, and rock and roll was basically music made by people who were thinking with their crotches.
1: Punk was getting to be techno. Punk was turning into disco in disguise. And it's fast and it's aggressive and it's rebellious and their parents hate it, which has always been the mark of good rock and roll. If your parents don't like it, it's good. The Sunset Strip, Los Angeles. The scene is heavy metal. The clothes are tight, the clothes are ripped. The rebels are out looking for rebellion. Venues like the Whiskey A Go Go, the Trip, the Rainbow, the Starwood, and the Roxy served as pillars of the party. This started in the mid-70s, but in 1981, three punk kids named Vince Neil, Tommy Lee, Nikki Sixx moved into an apartment on North Clark Street above the Strip. That kick-started not only their hearts, but the golden era of the Sunset Strip and Heavy Metal. And this week, we cover the movie that gets some blame for it all coming to an end. This is the Pool Scene Podcast, and we're back with a second straight dive into the Swim Meet Series pool. This week, it's with a documentary. I'm Kevin. I'm joined again by my bandmate, Jim.
0: Kicks at my heart! hey now
1: Jim a couple weeks ago we covered a dramatized version of hair metal excess when we discussed rock star this week we get the fine-tuned details of the filth and go inside the lifestyles of the rock stars. <laughs> When you look at a city like Los Angeles or the whole United States in general, you're going to look and say, man, there's millions of bands out there. They look great, they sound
0: great, they're doing their own thing. And all of a sudden, poison, what's poison going to do that's going to make us stick out of the crowd? Well, we're going to have to, we had an outrageous look, an outrageous sound. Everything that we did, it was outrageous. And all of a sudden, that people said, wait a second, these guys have a great gimmick, but can they play? Well, they found out you don't sell, like you said, you don't sell 3 million records if you can't play music.
1: We are going to be talking 1988 documentary. Decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years. Before Part 2, there was a Part 1, which covered the Los Angeles punk scene. Ten years after Part 2, there was a Part 3 in 1998, which covered gutter punks in Los Angeles. Good Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. All three of these movies were directed by Penelope Spheeris. She has an awesome filmography in addition to The Decline Docs, directing Suburbia, Dudes, Wayne's World, The Little Rascals 1994 movie, and Black Sheep, amongst others so where did she did the little rascals it's good though it's like, good it's i just mean weird it's, it to weird it. and dudes is a great movie suburbia is great and then like give me a tarantino little rascals let's get nuts <laughs> yeah uh, a lot of their feet it gets uncomfortable <laughs> fuck you alfalfa the vh1 series heavy the story of metal says that this film is at least partially responsible for the death of glam metal and hence the rise of thrash and grunge over the following decade. I think as a oh, hair metal was already on its way out. It was. Well, the reason is basically that they're saying fans watched Decline of the Western Civilization Part 2 and they saw the excess and basically were fucking disgusted by what they were contributing to. They're like, this is what we're spending our money on. Well,
0: it didn't help that you had some idiots on there They yeah. have the guy from Wet Cherry. I don't work. I can't stand work. Um, what was the last job you had? I've never had a job. I dropped out of seventh grade. I never want to work because I won't be happy working. I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do. So
1: basically they were like, why are we giving our money to these assholes? Yeah. And our good pal, Dave Mustaine, also made similar comments in his autobiography, blaming this movie for killing hair metal. The credibility of this movie is often called into question because there's a scene with Ozzy Osbourne and it's such a throwaway two second thing. where yeah. He's making breakfast. He's talking to her. And then you see like a, um a shot of a hand pouring orange juice and it's missing the glass. Vast amounts of uh, marijuana. It was fun at the time, but then we we all just sort of, it's not a very good idea anymore. Yeah, I'm just like, why? And so when people were like, wait a minute, Ozzy didn't really spill the orange juice. It made them start to question, why is all of this real? And then in the comment, so they released a box set in 2015 of all three movies. And in the part two edition of that box set, in the commentary, they admit that, some of the scenes were faked so like chris holmes from wasp like it was embellished and like the part where they think he's drinking vodka important it's it's probably just water. water yeah yeah and stuff so this led to speculation whether this movie was like faked entirely or whether the rock stars were given direction like some other examples of like gene simmons in the lingerie store sex rock and roll, the American way. Yeah. Those girls were obviously like for hire were there. Paul Stanley in the bed. Paul, those were all Playboy models. Yeah. And then you had the one scene in the hot tub with yes. Odin. A lot of these scenes. And so the Chris Holmes scene, Odin in the hot tub. The next four to six months. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then what's going to happen?
1: And then super, start-up. You know, <laughs> super glad I stardom. Super
0: fucking oh, If you yeah. want to take me serious, you can. If you don't want to take <laughs> me serious, you don't have to. But all I'm saying is this <laughs> space, <laughs> people are going <laughs> to fucking remember it. Okay. And it's going to go down history
1: and I know that. A lot of those scenes were literally shot at Penelope Spheres' house. Makes sense. So a little bit like. Kind of bothers me yeah. a bit now, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not 100% legit. She couldn't have had the fucking camera fall on Paul Stanley's face at oh, that angle. Go rip the uh, Penelope sphere stickers off of your locker God in the basement. damn it, I'm gonna take a penny like I did to my fucking stop, wrestlers. Stop listening to hair metal for 13 years. <laughs> uh, guns and Roses were supposed to be in this film but their management said, absolutely 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 not. Good call. Jim, please give us any available budget and box office, along with news and number ones at time of release. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock view.
0: The Decline of Western Civilization, Part Two: The Metal Years, came out on June the seventeenth, nineteen hundred and eighty-eight. To a five hundred thousand dollar budget, made three hundred seventy-four thousand dollars at the box office. Not really the kind of movie. No,
1: it, it's not a. You'd
0: never want to go see it no, a movie theater. A, lot, a
1: huge budget. Yeah, Why? huge in the news the morton
0: downey jr show the actor who i have in my phone as my mom because i thought during the later years of my mom's life she kind of looked like morton downey jr smoked about as much as morton downey jr except she wasn't as crass debuts in television syndication now remember morton downey jr also did stuff with you know wrestlemania and the wwf he was very crass you had Downey yelling at these people who you felt like yelling at sometimes I depended on a guy like you new jersey's preeminent lawyer i find my ass in the crapper for the rest of my life kevin this is frightening three giant turtles were found in a bronx sewage plant uh-oh uh-oh like which three was it was Raphael a part of this was michelangelo donatello who was it i'm thinking i wasn't a big fan of Raphael. i think Raphael is not one of the three In tribute to two weeks ago, we talked about him. Sausage. 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 The world's then largest sausage was completed at 13 and an eighth miles long. Whoa. That is a big fucking sausage sausage. Now, do you think anybody in this documentary had a 13 and an eighth mile long sausage? I'm leaning towards Lizzie Gray from London. You're probably right. The number one movie in America for one week was probably one of the least popular Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Red Heat.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised it was number one, though. With Brigitte Nielsen. Yeah, and one of the... Not one of the Belushi's. It was...
0: John Belushi. John Belushi. John Belushi. Belushi. No, I'm sorry. James Belushi. And the number one song that had nothing to do with Harriman metal, but was probably better than 96% of the music we heard in this documentary, Rick Astley Together Forever. The second hit of that amazing album, Together
1: Forever and Ever Tupac. That sounds right.
0: And that's all that was going on as we fall down the cliff of the decline of Western civilization. The metal
1: years. Kevo! So, not much of a plot, but let's shred into the synopsis.
0: We are not role models for your life.
1: The movie documents the Sunset Strip from August 1987 to February 1988. Specifically, the glam metal scene on the Sunset Strip. The movie is interview-based, but there's also some performances shown. Sometimes way too much. Some of the interviews are with established artists, such as Alice Cooper, Aerosmith, Ozzy Osbourne, Gene Simmons, and Paul Stanley of Kiss. But juxtaposed against those interviews is following unsigned LA club bands like London, Odin, and Seduce seduced from Detroit. Yes. The unsigned bands all believe they're on the precipice of stardom. A subplot of the movie, for lack of a better term, is that Spheres explores and presents the environment as sexist and reinforces this through showing the sexy rock and roll dance contest at Gazaris, as well as interviewing Ricky Rackman. Yes, that MTV Ricky Rackman. Doesn't look a thing like him. Who owned the cat house at the time and he discusses how girls who dress sleazy got in the club faster. Tell
0: me about Cat House, Ricky.
1: It's more girl- here than anywhere in the world and we play rock and roll all we do now we don't like add in some clubs will play a little bit of rock and roll we play only rock and roll and it's just a real big fun sleazy place and there's lots of examples of the drinking and drugs and interviews about drug abuse nearly dying and overdoses so the characters there's not a cast per se but there are live performances by lizzie borden faster pussycat seduce london odin 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 Odin. Odin. Odin and Megadeth. The top cast would be Joe Perry and Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley of Kiss, Alice Cooper, Ozzy Osbourne, CeCe DeVille, Ricky Rocket, Brett Michaels, and of course, we can't forget Chris Holmes of Wasp. The best. And so, forth. best scenes. Let's find out which scenes made a splash. I will say I like the opening scene after the opening credits. So snippets of musicians in interviews talking about the evolution of punk and metal into heavy Metal and specifically, I like the quote where Alice Cooper says that heavy metal saved rock and roll in the '80s. Rock and roll is huge. It's a big umbrella. Yeah. It's an overcompassing term, and so basically, he's saying that heavy metal, and it's true. Like these were the rock stars at the time, were from the hair metal scene. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we watched it shortly before we started recording. And it's one of my favorites. Poison to me comes off as next to Aerosmith, super intelligent. Of course, Alice Cooper. Some. Somehow CC somehow confused a Pontiac (laughs) Le Mans. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a Pontiac Le Mans was a hatchback, a shitty General Motors hatchback. Somehow CC gets it confused with a Maserati. I don't know in what world, what realm, what multiverse, anybody could confuse a shitty Pontiac Le Mans hatchback to a Maserati.
1: (laughs) If you love what you're doing, whether you have enough money to buy a Le Mans or... Come on. So, oh, buy a oh, by cheeseburger. <laughs> it's a Pontiac. Okay. No, what I meant is, um, whatever. What? <laughs> oh, No, whether you buy, I mean, Maserati. you thing—it's not the money. It's just you know, if you enjoy what you're doing, it's fun because you never think about oh, I want to have this, I want to have that. You want to be on stage, and that's the
0: reward you know cc i love you man but holy they, shit they used up there's a the like p- <laughs> <laughs> and like penelope Spheres is trying to get him to you know yeah keep she's talking, just like fucking yeah, idiot. yeah they're keep losing going. it
1: i actually love the scene where they talk about putting up flyers as a war 50 percent of the girls take them the guys they just throw them down check this out man the guy the guy gives me a flyer right he gives me a flyer hey oh, all right cool i'll be there right Cool, I'll come check out your bath. and he walks about ten feet down the street, and I fucking wrinkle the shit up and throw it on the ground. Man. And you got some of these kids it's like, man, somebody gives me a flyer, I-, I say, yeah, man, I'll be there, I'll totally be there, and then they walk away, and I throw it on the ground. And it hurts because you have them talking. About we didn't have the money to afford. Yeah, it's exactly. Print. And then
0: they'll put it up on a wall, and then somebody'll just tack over it, so you're just wasting money yeah, left, and right, and right they in the center.
1: Talk about like literally, it was like a flyer culture. But I remember going to shows in like 1999 and 2000 here in Youngstown, and no knowing about those shows from yeah. flyers. Yeah. Like you'd go see a band and at that show, somebody else would be there passing out flyers and we would just follow like, it was like propaganda to us. Cause we were like, yeah, we'll totally do that. Even and if then, you see
0: it on a telephone yes, pole.
1: And then we would go to that show and just show up. It's interesting because right. Like when Jim said we were watching some of these clips before this, and I didn't realize. So at Gazzari's was this, it's a whole thing in itself. They do this miss, miss heavy metal. Miss Gizar- yeah, yeah, Gazzari Yeah. Miss Gazzari heavy metal they dance and, and it's like but you can't be in a bikini No, it's weird and uh he's creepy one he looks girl like a vagina but apparently as long as you're not in a bikini well
0: it's funny the girl before then and maybe it was edited that way she performs in a white bikini when gazari who looks like bert sugar the boxing guy said
1: uh we're gonna let that go but the uh rules of my contest is that that's a little bit too skimpy because we're looking for gazari dancer not kind of a little risque stuff like that
0: There will be no bikinis or g-strings or stuff like that. They have to wear foxy rock and roll clothes.
1: Boo? 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 Okay. I'll tell you what. Why don't you guys run a contest?
0: The crowd turns on and we say, okay. Here's an idea. You guys open your own bar. Next girl comes up. I think it was like two of the members <laughs> of London bring up the fact. It's like, you can see her pussy. Yeah. It's like literally just out. It's like,
1: what are you um, doing? Gazari? So anyway, Gazaris would have bands play there specifically Odin because he introduces them and he's like, my good friends, the next greatest thing. And I'm like, well, no wonder he's calling them his good friends. Gazaris was pay to play. Yeah. So literally you would have to buy. I would hear about the, this sometimes with some of the, I never had to do it with wrestling shows or I just wouldn't. So sometimes like a wrestling promoter would be like, Hey, you think you could sell some tickets? I'd be like, yeah, sure. And then it just never would. Literally Gazaris was like, you had to sell X number of tickets. Yeah. So like a fucking fundraiser, he'd say, here are a hundred tickets. Here are 200 tickets. You pay me for those tickets. And then like, I suppose if a a good band was smart, they could like pay him the thousand dollars or $2,000, whatever it was. And then they could literally sell the tickets for more and make their money back plus some. But it sounds like bands would end up putting the flyers up and stuff because their money was on the line.
0: Gazari is very creepy. He's yeah. a, a much older gentleman here. Yeah. We're talking. He says he's like 60 or something, but I'm like, shit. he's but 78. When he says, I loved 18 year olds when oh. I was 18. And now I love 18 year olds even more now. And it's like so fucking creepy to have it, hear a grandpa say that. I get that it's legal, but fucking yeah. so uh, well, and hear him like when you see him grabbing his dick on the stage I'm like crazy grandpa we,
1: what are we doing we don't do and how many of them girls was he like coercing oh, it's just so know? creepy like he, like he does
0: that dance contest yeah. which is creepier so
1: I mean yeah it, I think you know we, we don't do legacy on the the swim meet series episodes but if we were to do legacy this movie kind of holds up as like how sexist and misogynistic we were oh going ridiculously. back then because it was like so much of this movie is objectification of women. Insane. Can't do it now. No way. And they even got the two girls on camera who were like, "Oh yeah, we fuck everybody. Like we've only been in town a couple weeks and we've had like five gangbangs already." And it's like, it's gross. Yeah. So you get,
0: you get into group sex? Uh, yeah, it's happened. You guys? It's happened. We've had four some... or five times since we've been here. Yeah.
1: How long have you been here? Five, five weeks. weeks.
0: London is an interesting band. But unfortunately, we did break the law an awful lot when we were in Arizona. Yeah,
1: (laughs) girls in other cities are great because uh, it's always two or three that are totally loaded with money.
0: Here's what London is. Our dicks get real hard for gold cards. We get to intimately know London. Now, London, most of you, even I was like, I don't know London. If you look at members of this band, London touts that, you know, we had Axl Rose was in our band. We had Blackie Lawless. Everybody who became in a big band, like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, were a part of London. Yeah. Just go on their Wikipedia page and look at former members. It's literally the entire page. Yeah. But they seem to live on the fact that they looked at their band like a training ground. How
1: long has London been together? Two fucking Two. This is 1979. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, this is like the uh, training school for rock stars. Yeah. it's like we get somebody in the band and... Uh, as soon as they leave, they become rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> so, who else
0: has been
1: in the band? A couple of dudes from Guns N' Roses, a uh, dude from uh, Wasp, and uh, Nikki Sixx of Motley Crue. Freddie Corey of Cinderella. But
0: also in this documentary, when they're performing at Gazaris, their lead singer has to encourage the crowd to keep your hands up and act like you're having a good time. And they start playing. Then he stops and he goes, you guys can't do any better than that. Seriously. I don't know how in certain things like they added like fans going crazy and post. I get that. They didn't seem to want to do it for London at all. It's like, come on. I kind of feel bad in a way for London because all these guys got the fuck out of that band and these guys just held on for dear life And nothing
1: came of it Nothing at all We got London on the track There's a rap producer Named London I like to think It's the same London Okay They just pivoted From hair metal To rap production <laughs> Uh so Lizzie Gray is a rapper Yes I uh I love Ozzy in the kitchen Awesome Talking the difficulties Of life in rock and roll Kids out there Think you get a guitar You make a hit record And you make millions of dollars And you just live Happily ever after Which isn't that way at all It's like very hard work very heartbreaking. You get your rewards and, and, and things. You, know, you do get a lot of things like gold discs, platinum discs, cars, houses, and you know. Then you the things like divorces, management ripoffs, fatigue, drugs, alcohol you know, hangovers and you got to go on the next one. You've been up all night, like burning your bridges and you got to go, hi guys. It's good to be back on stage again. You know, you're feeling like crap inside. You know? Cause Aussie has always been presented as a certain thing. <laughs> as I mean, a bumbling idiot. Why the Osborne show, like why he allowed it. I feel like he was being manipulated by Sharon. The money
0: that MTV
1: and Viacom and also, had to throw. And also, I mean, a lot of parents that grew up in show business want their kids to be in show business. So I think it was like, all right, here's the deal. We'll throw a bunch of money at you you'll be presented as a family we'll put your kids over but ozzy you've got to act like a fucking like, idiot uh, it's so embarrassing and, and here he's so cool well, whenever you see interviews and stuff with ozzy where he's not feigning that whole uh, uh so yeah, the, uh, right Ozzy's awesome. It's and like awesome. in this scene, this is like peak Ozzy talking about just like all these people want to be in metal. And then when they get on the road and it becomes a job, basically. It's like as if dad's telling you, yes. this is what it is. Yeah. And his hair is fucking brilliant. Oh, it's this great. Too.
0: I love it. I'm just going to go there. We have to yep. go there. Chris Holmes in a pool, drunk off his ass. Mother is sitting there watching him drink and encouraging his alcoholism. Yes. Does it bother you that this lifestyle is uh, dangerous to your health? Uh health? What do you mean health? Look at me. Well I look 40? 30? How old are you? I'm, I'm 29. I I'm what they call an old
1: fuck. Look at my mom, <laughs> shit. <laughs> what do you think you're gonna be doing ten years from now? Uh ten I, I'll probably be dead. You can come see my graveyard. on, have a drink. <clears throat> Press, do you yes, drink ma'am. very much? Pardon? Do you drink very much? Uh yes I do. I'm a full-blown alcoholic.
0: Just when he's awake
1: holy shit, Chris Absolutely Holmes. trashed, floating in a raft. Fully clothed in a yes. pool. And his mom's sitting there, and she just is very, like, looks like a disapproving mother. But she's like, whatever, well, I Well, he up. says the whole, full-blown alcoholic. And she says, only when he's awake. Jesus Christ. Why is his mom there? Like, oh, uh, was she there to, like, clean the place? And Penelope was like, yeah, hey, you want to sit on whatever this? Whatever the reason, it's probably the definitive scene in this movie. Oh, it's the best because scene. Because it's just like... This dude's got real problems. Oh, like, he's got huge problems.
0: I'm glad he cleaned himself up like 10 years after this, but oh my God. Yeah.
1: All right. So let's, let's transition into a bit of open discussion. But first, Jim, who comes out of this movie looking like a star, if anyone, because I'd say this movie probably damaged the stock of most of these people. <laughs> uh, it wrecked the majority of them. The one who didn't, Brett Michaels,
0: comes across like a sheer intelligent genius. Even Ricky and CeCe, and they come off, minus the Lamonts, very intelligent. <laughs> intelligent brett michaels he could be
1: drunkenness yeah. you wouldn't know any better he's very intelligent it, it's weird because it's almost like that aussie phenomenon because like brett michaels when he went on rock of love and it's like it's so funny right i love rock of love i loved like every season of it because brett michaels i honestly think was like earnestly looking yeah. for and like he was very sensitive and he had the bandana with the fake hair and <laughs> he was balding here and it was obvious as mean, shit. meanwhile the girls in rock of love are just such train wrecks uh. and it's like It's not fair to this dude. But in this movie, I'd almost question if he drank or did any drugs with the exception of he's holding a beer. Yeah. But if he's not holding a beer and drinking in this movie, I'd be like, he's way too smart. Like he almost seems like one of those rock stars that literally does it for the performance. He's not even ripping a dart in this. No, it's like wrestling. Not everything revolves around wrestling, but, but it does. But like back in old days of wrestling, the dudes would wrestle and then fucking party drugs women all night. Old school wrestlers complain about modern wrestlers because modern wrestlers they wrestle. They go back to their hotel rooms. They play video games. Or work out. That's or it. work out. And then like you hear these, these modern wrestlers. Like nobody goes out anymore. Why is that a bad thing? No shit. So you almost see Bret Michaels as one of those guys who like, he almost comes off as like, he just does. He loves rock and roll. Loves it. He plays rock and roll. And then he just gets on the bus and goes to the next city. It's amazing though. Cause like I said, this is a very niche period. Like
0: hair metal maybe lasted three years, yeah. four years. And that's it. It's weird how you see like me in this. Yeah. And you see Aerosmith. Yeah. But the majority of
1: those are Steven Tyler. Amazing. I love how like candid he is because he's like.
0: You making a lot of money? Yeah. Have you made a lot of money in your
1: day? Yeah. Millions. You have? Oh yeah. Where is it now? Went up my nose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I must have snorted up all of Peru to survive the 60s and the 70s. It's a a fucking miracle. You think you could have been dead? Oh God, I was several times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We've used drugs for so many years, it's like, you know, you, you burn out the punch card, you know, I mean, you've only got so many drinks in your life, I think I used all of mine in 35 years, you know, I was looking forward to having a few sips on the porch when I get older, but eating in the cards, you know.
1: Joe and I are the toxic twins, baby. I made millions of dollars and I snorted it all up my nose. Even Joe Perry's awesome. Yeah, Joe Perry's awesome. They're sober and like, it's great. Now stuff comes out about Aerosmith now that doesn't yeah. look so great, but in this, they're very candid. And then I read something about, they almost wanted to paint Lemmy in a bad light. So they framed him by putting him like far away and he's in front of like the LA skyline, but he's kind of just standing. You see a full body shot from like 10 feet away. Do you get mad if, if a band copies your style? No, good luck to him maybe they'll do something we can copy later and they did it almost to like frame Lemmy kind of like an idiot except Lemmy is historically not an idiot at all he's, he's one awesome. of the most awesome he was genuine awesome. dudes yeah and I just heard that story recently about Lemmy where apparently he used to hang out and play these like at whatever bar on Sunset Strip he'd hang out he'd play video poker and they VLT machines whatever yeah. they are and they'd be like Lemmy'd be in the corner there'd be bands playing whatever and Lemmy's like one of the biggest you know like recognizable stars he's sitting there playing Playing VLT. So somebody was like, I flew to LA, I went to the bar, I walk in, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. There's no one there. It's empty. And Lemmy's sitting there playing the VLT. And they were like, I walk up to Lemmy and I say, I can't believe you're actually here. Like I've heard stories that you just hang out here and play VLT. And Lemmy's like, Yeah, where else would I be? Like, he's like Tom Holt. Yeah, he's like, This is where I hang out. Like, and he's just a normal dude, you know. Who likes the Dallas Cowboys? Question mark. <laughs> Him and Jerry Jones Good <laughs> friends uh, So a lot of bands featured in this Both signed and unsigned They all have the same Shitty sarcastic attitudes Oh it's ridiculous So one band says They're doing it for the rock and roll But a ton of them are just like An impossible interview They're all so like Shitty and sarcastic Yeah Even faster pussycat I was like Can you
0: fucking answer well, A
1: question please
0: So how come you guys Are so obsessed with sex Because
1: we're young we used, to, <laughs> we used to be obsessed with money But we never got any So we had to like Give up on something that
0: out. What about drugs You use drugs?
1: Uh, no. Alcohol. Aspirin. Aspirin. Advil.
0: So what makes your band different than the rest of the bands around? Tell me that. We we, don't have very large penises. We don't (laughs) don't wipe our butts, so it smells (laughs) bad.
1: (laughs) I'll tell you what. So this movie, I don't know that they meant to do this on purpose, but when they're asking like some of these guys questions and they're just like sarcastically, like they can't get a straight answer. I hate it. All of the people that come off great in this, Alice Cooper, Aerosmith, are the bands who have already made it. So right there is probably the correlation. The people who treat this as a serious profession They're good. and a job and take it seriously and like want to make it because the rest of these guys are just bumbling like, I'll kill myself if I don't make it in rock and roll. You like, mean London? Yeah. I dropped out of middle school. I, you know, I party and do girls and I don't want a job. A, yeah, I don't, I don't need want a it. job. These people are never going to make it. Meanwhile, again, the guys who took it seriously and like they didn't stumble into this on accident, you know, they put in the time they did it the right way steven tyler straight up says they've made millions went up his nose him and joe perry are again the only introspective ones but i love that they acknowledge that they're the toxic twins yeah they they were called the toxic twins at this time they said they were only sober for 11 months yes but then steven tyler compares aerosmith to jerking off
0: it's like you know it's like jerking off when you're when you're a young kid and you first learn how to use that thing you know, you go. But the older you get, the slow you slow down, you know, and you get into the rhythm of it and you learn how to milk it for all it's worth. And I think that's what Aerosmith, that's where Aerosmith is right now. <laughs> Great he comparison. Literally, like
1: does a metaphor where he explains how Aerosmith is jerking off. And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's right. He's right. But like, okay. you want to be able
0: to, you, you do it so much at an early age. And then when you get older, you do it slower, but it's deliberate. It's, yeah.
1: You have to do it in a certain way. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. I hope the girl that won the rock and roll dance competition was able to get on with her actressing. What
0: are you going to do now? Are you going to, um I'm going to continue on my modeling. And great. Um, Hopefully, I get on with my actressing, shooting some movies. because... You think she put on her resume like, I was the 1988 Ghazari dancer of the year? Well,
1: she was Miss Deer in the Headlights 1987 and somewhere she's probably still chanting for Odin, Odin. You know, she
0: sits on the bench in front of the whiskey yeah. and she's trying to talk about oh, Gazari. God.
1: So Odin very much were a blatant Guns N' Roses ripoff and this, it's actually specifically Odin Singer that alludes to the idea that he'll commit suicide if they don't become superstars. But I looked it up because, spoiler, they didn't become superstars. Odin lead singer ran Randy O, or I think they called him Randy Odin. I don't know. Randy Odin, <laughs> Greg <laughs> I, Oden. I hope that's how he was born. He went on to become a teamster trucker for the film industry. Sounds about right. Considering so
0: made- Odin lasted for a year and a half. So
1: he made it. He made it. He made it in show business. The union rep. The He's union. now hauling other band shit. So some notes on the other unsigned bands. London broke up in 1992. This sucks because their manager left them with nothing. Some of these bands acknowledge. I think our manager's taking us. Yeah. For the their million. manager we basically just stripped him of everything. So the singer of London has worked odd jobs for the last 30 years. His high point was working on the Rolling Stones Voodoo Lounge CD-ROM. The, so remember when CDs uh, you interact. Could put yeah. I your computer yeah so Keith Richards did not like him because he thought that he was remixing the Rolling Stones songs when they tried to explain to Keith that he's working on the CD-ROM Keith's like you can't remix the Rolling Stones so (laughs) Seduce did not get signed or I'm sorry they did get signed but they didn't get to stardom. they didn't have a traditional singer they were a trio Yeah. in that scene the metal scene you definitely needed a recognizable front man that was pretty much a prerequisite so like them being non-traditional they got signed for being good but like it didn't work they broke up the one dude kept playing basically he became like a um, traveling musician like a, a guy patterson sort of like okay. a studio musician got to play in the touring version of some big bands all right and then the drummer went on to drum for negative approach which is a big deal in the hardcore community like dude's a drummer for negative approach that's awesome yeah lizzie borden never made it despite in the movie having no thoughts of not making it
0: and playing fucking born to be Wild" by george surgood for For
1: four and a half minutes. But weirdly for them, I don't know how long ago it was, they celebrated their 30th anniversary of still being a band. Which is more sad than anything. Wow, 30 years of just doing it as a hobby, basically. That's weird. Can you imagine just two of them sitting at a table going, it's been 30 years, I wonder if when I was in LA a couple weeks ago, if I would have walked into like the Roxy if they just would have been playing.
0: (laughs) No, now he's playing video
1: poker. There you go. Lemmy used to sit here, you know. Now I am. Um, I'm Lizzie Borden. A weird sunset strip club that came after this movie was the Viper Room because not mentioned in this because it was too early it's probably known more for all of the bad juju than the club itself a grocery store from 1921 into the 40s then it was rebranded as a nightclub called the Cotton Club it went through a number of name changes over the next several decades including Rue Angel, The Last Call The Melody Lounge and my favorite in the 80s Filthy McNasty's. perfect in the 80s it was a jazz club and it was near failure it was it was going to go under it was called it's, the Central. It's a jazz club in the 80s. It was purchased by so the funny thing is it was purchased by Johnny Depp along with some of his co-stars and co-workers on 21 Jump Street. Okay. So, it opened as the Viper Room officially not until 1993, the same year that great actor River Phoenix died out front of a drug overdose.
0: It was just over a month ago. That 23-year-old actor, River Phoenix, stumbled out of this trendy sunset nightclub known as the Viper Room and died of a massive drug overdose.
1: Courtney Love overdosed at the Viper Room and was actually given CPR by Johnny Depp, who saved her life. Michael Hutchins's last performance was at the Viper Room a week before his air quote, suicide. Who else was there? Yeah, probably Bob Geldof. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Jim, any guesses on who the first performance of the Viper Room was? Nirvana. No, it was by request from Johnny Depp. And he convinced them. It was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, nice. Which is interesting.
0: That's one band that I regret never seen. Never. Tom Petty? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really I, regret it now.
1: I had a friend um, whose mom was really, really into Tom Petty. And she had seen him like. My dad loved him. i seen him a bunch of times, like every time he came around and uh, some people just have a thing for like a band and yeah. she had seen Tom Petty like 60 times or something, so. Not a looker though, Tom Petty. Alright, so before we let you go this week, I just want to talk about something crazy to me, is that Seal's Kiss from a Rose, not Heavy Metal. You sure? Which yeah. everyone thinks was made for Batman Forever. It was actually written in 1987. Oh, don't lie to me, Kevin. Seal was embarrassed by it and he figuratively threw it in the corner so seal did not release the song until 1994 and it almost immediately fell off the charts if i'm not mistaken so seal performed kiss from a rose on the brian mcknight show i forgot he had a show and i don't know when that was but joel schumacher had seen seal perform it and my timeline might be screwed up joel schumacher saw seal perform it somewhere
0: this had to have been on at like 2 30 in the morning yeah
1: probably yeah he called seal he asked for his permission because he needed a song like about love between the characters and he asked basically seal if he could use the song and seals like mine i don't fuck. and now it's a huge song and uh to me i never realized so the lyrics make no sense at all never have but i for the longest time thought it was i compare you to a kiss from a rose on the grave
0: i thought it was on the grain it's on the
1: gray that doesn't make any sense i always thought it was i've uh, been kissed by a rose on the grain yeah yeah darling. I'm i can comp- i compare you to a kiss from a rose on the gray i'm like what the fuck does that I mean? mean grain or grave or gray, gray. none of none of makes them makes sense, sense. It, and seal basically said like i ain't gonna tell you what it's about it's like well fuck you seal i hate that so, shit yeah go enjoy heidi Klum, no, asshole not anymore oh Take they're not- divorced several years ago Oh. Well, and see, now she's a worm. Well, now she's on the grain or gray or a grave. <laughs> well, their, their marriage is on the grave. Yeah, pretty much. So next week we will return to our standard programming with a movie, a traditional episode. And you guys, you're going to have to uh, bring your cowboy hats, bring your cowboy boots. Yeehaw. We're going from Nashville to Texas. And uh, next week we gonna see ya. Silencia.